You are listening to the Kelly Confidential Podcast with Kelly Wilkes. This is episode one. Welcome to the Kelly Confidential Podcast where we talk about negotiation essentials and those crucial conversations empowering extraordinary women. Real women, real stories. Let's jump in. This is something I've been wanting to do for a while. To be sure, most of my friends and family will not be surprised I've done this. I was, after all, born with the gift of gab, as my mother routinely tells me, and I do enjoy telling a good story or two. And also, I've had a desire from a young age to write, to storytell, to share, and reach out to people and see if they felt the same way. Really, it's about connection. I was one of the first in my circle of friends to get a Twitter account, something that I'm now trying to shed since Elon's craziness kicked in, but we'll save that for another episode. Right. So why the podcast? Well, this isn't any podcast. This is a show specifically talking about negotiation, more particularly negotiation essentials for women, empowering crucial conversations for extraordinary women. Each week we'll cover key negotiation tactics intermixed with interviews with some great guests, remarkable and pioneering women in their fields of work at home or in the community. And they will share the crossroads they had to navigate, gender discrimination and bias they may have encountered, their life lessons, tragedies and triumphs that have kept them going to inspire and influence others around them, both modest and widespread. But first, let's tuck into why I believe negotiation essentials for women is such an important topic and how I ended up doing what I do and where I do it. So stay with me for the next 20 minutes or so because we're going to get really real here, folks. Let's jump in. So why the podcast now? Well, some of you may know that alongside my tiny consulting gig uh, back in 2017, in my spare time, I started running negotiation skills courses to business professionals. It was a side gig, definitely not a moneymaker, just something I was passionate about. And the feedback I received was so great and um, really encouraging. I knew I had something different. And I think that's down to the fact that my course wasn't your traditional business course. Drawing on over two two decades um, corporate leadership experience and nearly a billion dollars in deal making, combined with my formal studies in psychology and alternative conflict resolution, I had a light bulb moment five years ago where I could see the immediate link between a person's self-esteem and their ability to negotiate effectively. And if you could negotiate well, you could progress your position, your movement, your life. Conversely, if you had super egos or poor self-esteem, the results would typically, in my experience, would typically be limited. But worse, what if you simply had no access to basic negotiation strategies? And that, my friends, is why I'm here. Growing up, my dad really never treated my sister or me any differently because we were girls. We were just his kids. 
And we were quite an outdoorsy family, lots of playing in the creek out back where we lived. And we camped most weekends from May to August every, every summer. We were definitely tomboys. And my dad, um, the only son of Irish-Canadian parents, had such a huge work ethic, both for home chores and business, that we grew up believing that nothing was impossible with a little hard work, and also that no single person was better than us. You know, we, we were brought up to be polite and respectful and really see everybody as an equal. And I believe that mindset propelled me to pursue a degree in computer science, which ultimately landed me a promotion and relocation from Denver to Britain 20 years ago. And it was persistent curiosity that kept me going back to college, first to get a master's diploma in psychology in 2010, and then accreditation as a legal mediator, um, both a civil mediator and a family legal mediator in 2017-2018. And while I was aware that I was in the minority working in IT companies over these last several years, I didn't really get a sense of sexism and being treated differently or as someone less until I moved into more senior roles. My first real tangible taste of it was when, as a global director in an IT company, and following a renovation of our building floor plans, I was passed over for offices that were awarded to other global positions, including the last office, which was awarded to my male colleague who occupied a lesser role. I was gobsmacked and raised my concerns both to my male boss and to HR, who all pointed their authority in another direction, so afraid were they to get involved. I even went to the MD, and he equally refused to engage, saying he was in a difficult position, and ultimately I had nowhere to go with it. It wasn't even so much that I needed or or really wanted the office as much as the injustice of giving it to somebody who was more junior. Um, and, and really the only reason I could see was because of the, the male um, kinship, you know, the clique that, that existed in our company. And more than anything, I just wanted an explanation for it and I wanted it to be fair. So in my mind, fair meant that if I couldn't have it, then neither of us should have it, or it should go to somebody so arbitrary as to remove the bias altogether. But that never happened. So a few months later, I left that organization, um, but the experience left an indelible mark and really made me look at the way institutionalized bias worked and why despite how incredibly hard I could see my few female peers working, they failed to occupy the very senior roles in these organizations, and the seed took root. The answer was lack of representation. The greater the imbalance, the quieter the voice. Let me say that again. The greater the imbalance, the quieter the voice. It's true. Look around at male-dominated industries and organizations and ask how really present the female priorities are. So I started some research, and sadly, I needed only to scratch the surface and the sobering statistics poured out. The UN, the IMF, federal governments in the US and the UK, and all government statistical bodies who keep 
pretty impeccable records were too efficient in showing just how wide the divide is. I've blogged about some of these stats. I teach some of these stats. And today, in 2022, despite the fact that most developed countries have recently celebrated their centenary of emancipation, women remain in the bottom 30th percentile in most classes of power or influence, including roughly 12.5% of land ownership globally, 20% and less of small business ownership globally, 5 to 9% of corporate executive posts, 6 to 16% having access to capital and investor funding, 28% roughly um, holding municipal, state, and federal public office. And studies have shown the more successful the woman, such as in business ownership or executive leadership posts, the more these numbers shrink. So why is that? Because negotiation skills training has not moved on from its 1980s Wall Street big business image. Even those few organizations offering online negotiation training still feature a smiling, suited white male as the facilitator. God's honest truth. All you have to do is Google some of the large organizations like um, Harvard, Cambridge, IMD Group, um, Scott Works, the Gap Partnership, Pepperdine University. They're all, I'm telling you, you'll be, you will start to see it once you start searching for it. And the high price tag um, that these institutions charge only adds to the longstanding mystique of what is assumed to be a highly technical area of study. Consequently, women in particular stay away despite the urgent need for their greater representation and collaboration in small business development, climate matters, STEM matters, politics, community matters, and family life. So what's the solution? Well, these same studies by the UN, the International Monetary Fund, the OECD, and numerous universities have shown that when women are fully represented at work, at home, in politics, and in their communities, it leads to significant GDP growth reduced poverty, improved education, and better health for the whole family. The ability to negotiate is essential. And that's why I'm here, to raise awareness to the lack of representation in our biggest corporations, our highest political offices, the greatest land wealth, and to provide critical skills to becoming better negotiators so that women will take more chances, believe in more, and ask for more. And next week on Kelly Confidential, we'll tackle my top 10, what you should always negotiate. But before that, let's spend our final few minutes looking at the first hurdle of negotiation, fear. Now, I'm no expert in fear, and fear is very personal to everyone. You can't storytell it away. But I think I learned early on that if I didn't hold the fear... I call it hugging the poo, which is a a story for another day. Hold the fear. If I couldn't hold the fear, then I wouldn't be able to do all the things I wanted to or go to the places I've dreamed about. Does that resonate with you? Have you had to face something super scary and negotiate with yourself to get to the other side? Negotiation is just another form of conflict. 
And in conflict, fear is the other party in the room. Why? Because we're not in control. It's called an existential event. It happens when someone else is determining what happens in our lives and we believe we have no control over it. But is that true? Think about it. Think about the last major thing you had to negotiate. A new home, maybe a business loan, maybe your children's, I don't know, um, curfew, a divorce. The stress is huge. Why? Because it's important. And we're afraid because we can't directly control the outcome. Did you know that only 34% of women negotiate their salaries in a job offer? Despite studies that show over 70% of hiring managers were prepared to pay more from the onset. Your salary is such a critical financial anchor. It affects your pension, your bonus, your future promotions, yet 34%. Why? Fear. And because women haven't been taught how to negotiate. Access to basic negotiation skills is kept away from most people and particularly women. I actually believe that most women are better placed for negotiation than men, but they don't know it and they don't know how to use it. And that's something we're going to cover in an upcoming episode as well. But again, I'm stuck on the 34%. Does this resonate with you? Is this you? Do you get yourself wound up for a difficult conversation and then it feels like it's just falling apart before it even starts? I know I've been there. Do you feel anxious at the prospect of the conversation itself? And then you beat yourself up even more for forgetting key points you wanted to make or that great comeback that never left your tongue. We're going to tackle all of that with some really effective skills, some funny anecdotes, and some super guests. We're going to talk about three critical life skills, courage, curiosity, and resilience, basically dealing with the hard parts of life, how to embrace a challenge in front of you and to see opportunity in the obstacle. So I want to leave you with this important analogy to help to reassure you that you can do this. You can do, well, I I believe you can do anything you set your mind to, but when it comes to negotiation, I absolutely know and believe that you can do this. Negotiation as a skill is a lot more fun and possible to master than you think. So I want you to think about how a person approaches fitness. If we focus only on the pain, the hard parts, We often shy away from doing it, resent it, or give up early, don't we? Am I right? I'm thinking of, you know, running, going to the gym, kickboxing, weightlifting. It could be anything. What was your last fitness goal? Most of us have had them. I know I certainly have. Were you an expert after the first time paddleboarding? And how about that kickboxing class? Aces from the first five minutes, right? Think about the time you set a physical challenge for yourself and the commitment you made and how did that turn out for you? Did it hurt? Tell me about it. Share your experiences with us. It probably hurt like hell the next morning in all the wrong places. But then you started to see some changes. 
Maybe you noticed your arms were a bit more toned. Maybe you started to see that you could raise more weights. But were you strong when you first went in? Able to raise 50 kilos deadlift? No. And yet we're always disappointed when we try to raise the weights and find we can't do it or can do it only for a few minutes. But the only way to get stronger is to lift heavier and heavier weights. And to do it with frequency. Because it's not even enough to lift heavier and heavier weights if you're only going to the gym once a month, right? Are you think do you are you expecting to see changes in in your muscle? Maybe see some toning in your arms or your legs. Is that achievable after going just once a month? No. So it's a combination of lifting the heavier burden and doing it with frequency. The weights represent adversity, and little by little, you overcome. You increase the weight with practice, and over time, your muscles will get stronger. The same is true of negotiation. The more you practice, the stronger your self-belief and confidence, the more you will advocate for your position and your life. Um, I just finished binge-watching The First Lady, and man, it was awesome. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Um, It was just, yeah, I just keep thinking about certain parts of it, and it's definitely one that will stay with me for a while. I'm not sure when it aired in the U.S., but the first season just arrived in the U.K. last month, I think. I think it first showed up on um, Sky here in early November. So I watched the first one and I was hooked. And then I had seven more episodes to watch. So I binge watched over um, a weekend, I think uh, um, a week ago, two weekends ago. Um, And if you haven't seen it and you like American history and the advancement of women's rights, well, this show is for you. Um, I guess it's going to air over a few seasons This first season followed the lives of Eleanor Roosevelt, Betty Ford, and Michelle Obama, each just so different, um, different women, different eras, but what powerhouses. It was just phenomenal. Um, But Google it to see where you can stream it um, in your own country. And if you like this show, my show, and want to know more, please give me a like and follow us. And please join my mail list to find out about upcoming courses, which will be heading your way in the digital realm this spring. Go to kellyconfidential.com and subscribe to our newsletter. I'm Kelly Wilkes, and you've been listening to Kelly Confidential. Next week, we'll cover my top 10 and how to do it. And we've got an exciting lineup of guests coming check out our show notes and on kellyconfidential.com. Wishing you all a happy new year. 2023 is going to rock it. Stay safe until next time.